Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is April 25th, 2023. It is Tuesday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by A Curious Future. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is We spend so much time being afraid of failure, afraid of rejection. But regret is the thing we should fear the most by Trevor Noah. Speaking of regret, I remembered the card. I don't know if you were there last week when I could not remember the card that I so badly wanted in the Witch Daily Oracle. And I talked about how it was, it eventually became the Book of Shadows and like how I know in my heart that was like the right move and it was what made most sense and was much, most, much more cohesive. But, um, like I was saying, you know, I read Lenormand, which, uh, is a system that while getting more and more known, I still, I've never met anyone other than myself where it's their only form of reading. Um, but I, and I've only ever met one other person who was really proficient at it. It's definitely something people pick up, like an oracle deck and like base learn, but like actual, like anyways, whatever. So one thing I really like about Lenormand is that there are like these parallels and cards that um, are kind of sister cards. And Something I had really wanted to do with the Witch Daily Oracle was we have a Seeker card, and that is the card that is all about looking. You're seeking. You're looking for for information. You're trying to find it. You're, you're longing for something else. And the card that is supposed to be the sister card to that is the Book of Shadows, which is you are now finding it, right? You you have been looking and now it has been found. Uh, I finally remembered what the original card I wanted was, and it was the Scholar. So it was the Seeker and the Scholar. The Seeker seeks information, the Scholar has found it. Um, and, oh, I just really wish I would have gone through with it, even though I still think the Book of Shadows was like the pragmatic, um, and responsible choice. There's a part of me, uh, that just like would love to see the scholar one day come into, uh, fruition, I think. But anyways, let's move on. What are we drinking today? We are drinking Sip a Spell's Freezer Spell, Lemon Meringue, and we are talking about green tea. So yesterday we talked a little bit about what is green tea. And today we're talking about matcha. So for those of you who don't know, matcha is simply green tea ground up into a powder. So you take the leaves and you grind them up and you get a powder. So let's talk a little bit more about matcha. So this comes to us from tastingtable.com. 
As one of the few drinks that allow you to consume the entire leaf, the powdered form of green tea known as matcha is packed with 10 times as many antioxidants as regular green tea. The unique shading process used while growing matcha gives the plant its deep shade of green and boost of uh, theanine, which gives it a, a umami flavor and a calming buzz. So it's no wonder that the drink caught on uh, in the West. However, its consumption has changed drastically from its Japanese roots. So what Art of Tea says was once served during ancient tea rituals in Japan can now be ordered in the Starbucks drive-thru on your way to work. So the same can be said for matcha powders, which are commonly sold and divided into two categories, ceremonial and culinary. While they may be convenient, the truth is, is that the two terms are entirely unregulated. Instead of considering culinary grade as the low quality blend and ceremonial as the high quality, it should be seen as designed for different uses. Then, by understanding their fundamental differences, you'll be able to get the most out of your matcha. So, generally, matcha powders are labeled as ceremonial. Uh, these will be more fine and bright, and maybe even have a subtle sweet taste. Culinary grade matcha tends to be made from tends to be made from uh, leaves that were later harvested in the season, so they tend to be maybe a little deeper in color. Um, they might even taste a little bitter depending on how the leaves are harvested. So, and they may not contain quite what you want nutritionally as the former. But again, these are unregulated terms. So, you know, you just have to like be kind of thoughtful about it, um, which I think makes sense. And we've discussed tea ceremonies uh, in the past, so I won't get into that today. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing that I had no idea about. As someone who loves both culinary and tea, I had no clue that there were like different types of matcha. So I think that was super neat. All right, moving into some headlines. This comes to us from Variety.com. Witchcraft meets the simple life. Why Vanessa Hudgens is bringing her spiritual journey to TV. So Vanessa Hudgens is ushering in a new season, uh, which is the season of the witch. Hudgens is known for her triple threat talent from acting in Spring Breakers to singing in Tick, Tick, Boom to dancing in Greece live and starring in franchises like Netflix's The Princess Switch and Disney's High School Musical. But her latest project is more personal. She is embarking on a spiritual journey in Salem with her best friend and musician, um, Gigi McGree, for the scripted, unscripted film Dead Hot. So Dead Hot, which premiered April 14th on Tubi, is a true passion project for Hudgens and McGree, who are fascinated with the spirit world and came up with the idea to document their experience together. In the film, the duo set out to Salem, Massachusetts, where they explore witchcraft, ghost hunting, and connect with spirits. Quote, it was a lot more personal than anything I had done, Hudgens tells Variety. I'm not hiding behind a character as I normally do in films. This is me exploring something that I am very passionate about. 
I knew it would be extremely personal and I would be sticking my neck out doing so, but I'm hoping that it makes other people curious about what's out there and inspired to open their hearts, minds, and souls, trust their intuition, and find a more find more peace in the unknown. The creative team behind Dead Hot explains that this is not some ghost hunting shtick. Hudgens and McGree are both self-taught students of witchcraft who have been experimenting and connecting with the spirit world for most of their lives. During the pandemic, they spent their quarantine together watching shows about the afterlife and exploring how ghost hunters, mediums, and witches engaged in the spirit world. During, uh, quote, during 2020, I think we were all looking for ways to better ourselves, to grow and come out of it as better people. I really started to lean into rituals and manifestation. I was actually leading a little coven meetings uh, over Zoom with other witchy friends, and it was such an uplifting community, and it had me even more curious about witchcraft, and the exploration seemed like a special thing to document and share. So super cool. It's so weird though when I see like documentary set in Salem because I'm like I guarantee I know most of these people <laughs> like who who are going to be in this. Oh, I actually feel like I recognize the back of someone's head. Yeah, good for them. I mean, let me tell you, Salem is like the place to capitalize on witchcraft because it's very small, right? So like if you've ever gone to Salem, it's like three whole blocks. So it's very small. So there's not a lot of room for like competition. Like physically, there's no room. So it's not like it's all of these witches competing to get camera time, right? So it's very small. And a lot of places like this just go there by default. Like no shade to Vanessa Hudgens, but, like, they clearly didn't research, like, other places in the world that uh, have, you know, witchcraft. Um, Salem's, like, the default people think of, right? So uh, there's not a lot of room for competition, so people go. Uh, so you're going to see the same, like, 10 people over and over and over and over and over again in uh, these sort of stories and documentaries because there just aren't enough – there's not enough competition to – um, I guess spread out. I don't know. So, uh, that's just one of the things, like if you really want to make a buck off witchcraft, like start, like, like just go to Salem. Uh, cause like that is the place. It's just the way it's structured is perfect for, um, that sort of thing. And I'm not throwing shade. I'm just like acknowledging like that. It's such a weird phenomena of space versus, people versus demand. Like it's very, very interesting. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Tuesday, April 25th. The waxing crescent moon breathes with the tides in cancer today. Here, the moon trines Saturn. We're feeling very productive, ready to approach the day with a sense of structure and responsibility. With Saturn and watery Pisces, the structure is fairly loose, but we still have a sense of the outline. Both the moon and Saturn are in water signs, so the focus is on our emotional capacities. Today is a day where we feel shored up and fortified. Use this sense of personal strength to challenge yourself. 
We can accomplish big things if we can only stay focused. Your daily moon mantra is, always remember, your focus determines your reality. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Humans have been obsessed with predicting the future ever since the dawn of civilization. We've watched the stars, gazed into crystal balls, thrown bones, red cards, and more, all in an effort to better understand ourselves and our place in this magical world. A Curious Future is your guidebook to a variety of divination practices. Did you know that you can divine with wine? Or that a simple pair of dice can give you prophetic insight? This book will help you predict the future through a variety of insightful and sometimes unusual techniques. A Curious Future by Kiki Dombrowski is available for order online from your local bookshop or wherever books are sold. I am back. So on our break, I just did like a quick Instagram check, um, scroll, and I see a post from Bon Appetit and it says... Big Milk's War to Win Gen Z just got more cringe. And it's a picture of Aubrey, of like Aubrey Plaza drinking milk with a milk mustache. And my first thought was, oh my God, they brought Aubrey Plaza into this. You leave her out of this. We love her. Um, anyways, I don't think you'll convince. I, I don't think, <laughs> this is not what this podcast is about, but I just don't think Big Milk is going to win anything at all. Because let me tell you what has happened, at least for me personally. So I was obviously like a whole milk drinker in the South as pretty much like my whole life until I was about 20. And then I was vegan for a while. So uh, I was drinking milk alternatives. Uh, at the time, oat milk wasn't a thing. So almond milk and uh, soy milk and things like that. And then when I was no longer vegan, I still kept the things that had been very easy and milk alternatives was just very easy. So I just stuck with milk alternatives. And now if I even smell whole milk, my body, like my stomach just wretches. So the thing is, is that when you stop drinking like dairy for a long time, your body doesn't react well to it after a while. And Gen Z is full of oat milk drinkers. I don't know how easy it's going to be to sway them over to big milk because uh, I think their little tummies cannot handle it. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, what if this just became a milk podcast? That'd be nuts. Okay, so today we're talking about something really interesting, and this is actually something I have um, proved a few articles for, for which way in the past, so this isn't a new idea, but we did just try it again, right? So one thing I definitely know from being uh, in my position in this community for a very long time is I'm fully aware that there are a lot of people who are aching for community, People who want to feel seen by each other, heard by each other, um, people who really need friendship and kinship in the witch community. So, 
So often, though, we are in positions where that's hard to get for whatever reason, whether it's geographical or societal or for one reason or another, we really struggle to find each other and to make connections. And it's hard enough nurturing friendships, but it can be harder to nurture which relationships. So like I know me, for example, I really struggle with it because I talk about witchcraft all day. My whole job, my whole career is um, witchcraft, right? So when I'm with my friends, I don't necessarily want to talk about witchcraft. And then because I've been doing it um, for so, so, so long, um, and I, I, you know, witchcraft has gotten more and more accessible and trendy, which is great. I don't, I don't care. Um, I'm meeting more and more people who are new to witchcraft and I, so it's not fun, you know, for me personally, when I make a friend who's like new to witchcraft and I'm like, oh, am I going to have to like, like, I don't want my friendships to have to be me teaching you about magic you know, because that's supposed to be my friendships, my outlets, my, my relaxed time, you know? And I have had that in the past where I, I make a friend and all they want to talk to me is like, you know, this very witch 101 conversation, which I'm not against. People need to learn somewhere, but it's like, but it's like, <laughs> I, I, I also deserve a break you know, and it's you, and then it becomes that question, are you really my friend because you want to be my friend? Or are you my friend because you think I can get you somewhere, you know? So it's hard making friends as witches is hard. So, um, we had one of our writers do a little experiment to see in this time, day and age, can you find witches on Facebook? And oof, I'm excited to get into it. I already have thoughts. So let's see what she got into and then I'll give my kind of uh, editorializing. So this is for uh, written by Sarah Little for the April 2023 issue of Which Way Magazine. She says, let me first say that I am not a Facebook fan. I am not a social media fan of any sort. I took a short break for uh, from it for mental health reasons in 2022 2021 and 2020. Ooh, in 2020, rough. That's like, I feel like when everyone really needed it. To say I have a love-hate relationship with social media is an understatement. I find myself going down a rabbit hole of copying other people when I am online. I am like an empath crossed with a shapeshifter. I take on people's energies and personalities, losing myself deeply. However, I also suffer from social anxiety, and I live in a small town. When it comes to meeting new people, it can be challenging. Whether you live in a small town or a large city, breaking through the noise to find your heathen community can be difficult. After taking a sabbatical from social media, including Facebook, I returned to give it another go in 2023 to see if I could glimpse into other people's worlds without losing my own, to see if there were posts of hidden magic spells and verses I could try out and chant, and people whom I call my holy wild tribe. I was already signed up for several witch groups on Facebook. I had just never taken the time to explore their magic, so I set out to see the wisdom and magic often overlooked online in these witch groups of Facebook. 
Although I didn't have many expectations, finding an online community, a place of belonging and longing would be kind of nice. What I discovered consistently is the Facebook groups were memes of witches standing in dog poop, goddesses and deities, and even a question about what is your spirit food. There were posts about hanging dried sage and many Pinterest images with beginner witch spells. There needed to be more back and forth conversation. And sometimes I question why no one would respond to my very personal posts. Some posts called for help because they had a curse on them or were looking for herb school and to no avail did they reap any support. I decided to expand my Facebook group experiment also to include goddess related groups. I found much of the same energy in those groups. This time, there were a few more selfies of women posing in goddess-like positions and many more people selling their services, which I fully support. There were cute black kittens besides Scott Cunningham books and a few chants and spells. The verdict. It was humorous, fun, and informative. It would be great starting point for beginner witches just looking to dip their toes into the world of witchcraft. But all in all, I found it hard to connect with people more intimately. In the past, I have had great success connecting with people on Instagram and very intimate Facebook groups. While these big witch groups were fun and made me laugh a little, I think if you're after more profound, maybe you should seek out smaller groups or face-to-face contact, which always provides conversation and presents you with things you cannot find on Facebook. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on this. First off, sorry for the cough. I'm trying my best. Um, okay. First off, uh, this is a great example. If you've ever wondered why you may post a meme on our group and it gets deleted, this is why, this is why, because, um, it creates a lot of noise real fast. And the thing is, everyone thinks they're funny, you know, but truthfully, we all have different types of humor. And if I start allowing people posting memes, it's going to real turn into people being annoyed of the noise. And, and just because you think it's funny doesn't mean like everyone thinks it's funny. And again, it's just creating noise. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't enlighten anyone. Um, it spirals out of control real fast. So I think I'll let like one or two memes buy. Uh, but I will put people on alert if I feel like they're posting memes. Um, so that was nice validation. Like, memes just ruin Facebook groups. They just do. It just, you know, it becomes a weird competition of who can post the most pixelated meme they can find, you know? So that's number one. Number two, I highly agree that the witch groups, especially the big ones, are kind of pointless. And she said she thinks they're good for beginners. I'm going to actually argue against that. Um, I don't think it's good for seasoned witches for everything she said, but I actually think it's harmful for new witches because they are just inundated with misinformation. And then a lot of groups kind of develop cultures, right? 
So each big witch face group has a culture of what they have decided is the right thing to do and the right way to do things by the time you've gotten there. So you could post like a question of, oh, can I use white candles in place of any color spell candles? And like that crew could have decided years ago that no, you can't. And they won't explain why. They'll just say no. You'll have 30 people saying no, you idiot. And then just moving on. You never get explanation. You never get help. Uh, misinformation runs rampant. Um, yeah. I have taken my uh, walk around the block in big witch Facebook groups. And I'm going to tell you, not helpful. Not helpful. People are not helpful. Um, they'll just tell you to Google things. If you have questions, if you're trying to do a personal post, like she said, you'll get no traction. It really becomes a thing of who can post the best meme and best selfie. Uh, so I actually don't think they're good for kind of any witches. I like our group. Our group is very small and intimate. Uh, we are, I think we're pretty kind and helpful, but we also aren't going to, um, let things slide either. Right. Like if we think maybe there's something you're not noticing, we're going to point it out. Um, it, it truly feels like a real group of people who care about each other. Um, because not only do I think, are we helpful, but like true friends, if we think you're ignoring something or overstepping something or glossing over something, it's going to get pointed out. And I know that's not always fun. I know that's not always fun, right? But if you want yes people, you can post on the 50,000 person witch groups. They'll give you whatever answer you want. But when it comes to people who truly care about you and are and truly have your back, they will maybe call out more behavior that they think is like not cool. So I really like our group. I also think our group has like a good amount of seasoned witches and new witches and it's fun. I think everyone's pretty respectful. Um, if we even get a whiff of tood, uh, people get removed because, um, this is not the space. It is 2023. We are no longer in a position of people can just act however they like uh, and expect, uh, you know, to get away with it. So, um, yeah, I think that was a great article. I really like the exploration of uh, how hard it is to find witch friends. And it is really, really hard. Even here in New Orleans, uh, where it's very witch friendly, it's very difficult. It is very difficult to make friends, um, especially because I personally, I, I don't like to, I, I definitely have boundaries on my magic. I have no intention of getting wrapped, like a if a potluck is turning into a ritual, like which has happened where it's like, oh, we're doing a, like a housewarming potluck. And then, oh my gosh, let's go in the basement and do a spell. No, I'm not doing that. Like one, uh, not again, it sounds snobby, but like, I'm not, I'm just not, ugh, I, I'm cool. I'm just not, that's not for me. You know, like that's not what I'm there for. I'm past that. I'm past my 20s where like, you know, it's not going to be sleepover turning into um, half-assed, you know, love magic. You know what I mean? So um, in New Orleans, it's it's just as difficult 
as anywhere else, in my personal opinion. Now, you'll find people who are more spiritual, but in terms of like people you can make like people who are on the same level as you are, who you also connect with, is just very difficult. Uh, because every because there's all different levels, right? Or people are spanning all different levels. And then something I've noticed, which I think, I, which I have also just proven here, is once witches do get to a certain level, once they get past that like sleepover 101 thing, um, witches become more protective of their energy and their magic and their spell work. And we have a habit of getting, again, putting up those blocks. And it can be hard to find people who match your uh, energy and your level when everyone's kind of being defensive, you know. Um, so it's it's complicated. Making which we just need to acknowledge making witch friends is complicated. Making regular friends is complicated. Friendships are hard, and it's no easier in the witch world. So I thought that was a great thing to touch on. And there we go. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I do want to give a shout out to listener Emmy Jean. Let's see. Emmy, you innocent starry-eyed muskox. Karen Walker, you magical scholarly sun goddess. Teresa Dawn, you scrumptious spiffy sunfish. And Dancing Crone, you glowing luminous barn owl. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And before we go, we do have a card poll. Our card today is Queen of Chalices from the Buffy Tarot. Even as a demon, Halfrek was deeply attuned to the suffering, vulnerability, and sorrow of humanity. Under the influences of the Queen of Chalices, you may find yourself helping others, acting as a trusted advisor as they work through turmoil. Although this sensitivity comes naturally, don't underestimate your own strength. Follow your intuition and value your emotional responses. They will guide you when logic fails. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we've referenced today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time 
time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally, I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. Women and their doctors are the ones that are in the best position to make informed decisions about what is best for them, no one else. No bill that criminalizes abortion will stop anyone from making this incredibly painful decision. These bans will not stop abortion from happening, but they will drive women and girls and people into the shadows, which is what this has always been about, shaming and controlling women's bodies. In the week after I shared my story on my show, women were coming up to me in the street, in the supermarket, at my gym, with tears in their eyes, thanking me for my bravery. But the word brave didn't sit right with me. Why is it brave to speak to an experience that millions of people around the world throughout history have gone through? And then I realized it is considered brave because as women, we have been taught to feel shame about our bodies since birth. I am so sad that we have to sit here in front of a row of politicians and give deeply personal statements because the why doesn't matter, it should not matter. I am a human being that deserves autonomy in this country that calls itself free, and choices that a human being makes about their own bodies should not be legislated by strangers who can't possibly know or understand each individual circumstances or beliefs. I'm here today to help destigmatize a legitimate medical procedure and continue to encourage women not to allow themselves to be shamed for their choices. And finally, I am here today for my two little girls, Birdie and Cricket. My dream for them is that they will live in a world in which women are truly equal with complete control over their own reproductive health. That is the dream I hold for all people, regardless of their privilege or parents or what state they live in. That dream is slipping further and further from reality with every ban passed. I hope that you, our elected leaders, can help us reverse the tide. Thank you. I look forward to today's discussion.